If you join me in Bible study this morning, please open up your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, to chapter 66. We're halfway through verse 18. I'm going to go out on a limb and make a prediction that we will finish Isaiah today. But we will see. Verse 18, Isaiah 66, 18 says, For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. You know what that's a prophecy of? The battle of Armageddon. That all nations are going to come together and see Messiah return. And for some it will be a joyous occasion. For some, not so much. So we studied several of the cross references last week, but today we pick up with Psalm 86. Psalm 86, verse 9. Psalm 86, verse 9. Let me watch his pages keep turning. Psalm 86 verse 9 says, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. That's as a result of the battle of Armageddon. All those that are unsaved perish, but what about all those who survive? They become believers, each and every one of them. When they see the awesome power of God displayed, how can you at that point go, ah, oh, there's not really a God. Well, I see him come and he's destroying everybody who's opposed to him, but well, he doesn't really exist. No. You must at that point say, wow, the Bible is true. All those stories I've heard since I was a little child, I'm seeing unfold before my eyes. How can I doubt now? So, when Messiah returns and Armageddon's over, he establishes the kingdom. And who comes up to Jerusalem to worship each and every year? Everybody, all nations. In Isaiah 66, it's described as all flesh. But let me not give that away. It's only those people made out of flesh and blood. Let's go to Psalm 113. Psalm 113. I know it wasn't much of a joke, but okay. Psalm 113, verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. He's God over whom? All nations, all people, all tongues, all tribes. Because how many gods are there? One. That's the Shema. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If he is one God, one Lord, then he is over all people. How do all the blessings in the Jewish Customs begin. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe. It's said that if you don't include King of the universe, it's not a true blessing. Because you're not recognizing that there is one God and he's God over all people. Not just us, but over all people. At the Feast of Tabernacles, how many bulls must Israel sacrifice? Seventy. How many nations in the world in God's eyes? Seventy. One bull for each of the nations. God is the God of all peoples. Go to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Verse 2. It concerns me a lot when I hear people say, well, God was the God of the Jews in the Old Testament, but Jesus is the God of the Christians in the New Testament. Are there two gods? No, there's one God. Isaiah 2.2 Now it shall come to pass in the Acherit Hayamin, the end of days. In the Hebrew Bible is capitalized. We call it the day of the Lord. That the mountain of the Lord's house, what's the mountain in prophecy? A kingdom, so this is the Messianic kingdom, shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. That means there will be other kingdoms and nations. But Messiah rules over them all as King of kings and Lord of lords. It says, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. What is the house of the God of Jacob? That is the temple. 
Why do so many Christians keep telling me there won't be another temple? It says right here, they're going to come in the millennial kingdom to the temple because they haven't read. Yep. He will teach us his ways. Who's he? That's our Messiah, Yeshua himself. God in human fleshly form will teach us his ways. And we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion, Zion, prophetic Jerusalem, shall go forth the Torah. What does this say about those who say the Torah has been abolished? They need to come read. Messiah himself will teach Torah in the kingdom to all nations. But I thought it was only for the Jews. No, all nations. That's the point of Isaiah chapter 66 verse 18. Is that it's all nations. The verse 3 goes on. In the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations. And rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah chapter 56 verse 7. If you want to be a part of the Messianic kingdom, read Isaiah 56. We'll read verses 6 through 8. Also the sons of the foreigner, Nakar, foreigner, non-Jew, who join themselves to the Lord to serve him. What's it mean to serve him? It means to obey him. And to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. Even them I'll bring to my holy mountain. There's that same messianic kingdom. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. There's the same temple in which Messiah will rule and reign. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Who quoted those words in the New Testament? Our Messiah Yeshua did. Verse 8, the Lord God, it's actually my Lord, the Lord, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, says, yet I'll gather them others besides those who are gathered to him. Yes, ma'am. We are in Isaiah chapter 56, that was verses 6 through 8. If you want to be in the Messianic kingdom, you will keep Shabbat. And hold fast my covenant. So hold fast my covenant encompasses all the commandments. So why does God separate out the Sabbath in particular as an one of emphasis? Because it's the sign that you worship the true and living God. What did Romans 6 tell us? You are the servant of the one whom you obey. So if God said keep Shabbat and the Pope said keep Sunday, who do you serve? Who do you obey? On to Haggai. Haggai. Which in Hebrew is Haggai. Chag is festival and the A-I in the end is my and it's plural. So my festivals. It tells how the festivals teach the first and second coming of our Lord. Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. That's the way it goes. So Haggai, chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. Boy, Haggai is a short book. You can skip right over it if you're turning too many pages. Haggai, chapter 2, verses 6 to 7 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, what kind of prophecy? End times prophecy. And some of you aren't even there yet. And you still know it means an end times prophecy. So let me slow down. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, then Matthew. If you hit Matthew, go back 15 pages or so. Got it. Haggai 2, 6 and 7. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while. Meaning what? It's not going to happen right now. This is a prophecy for the end times. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. 
Does that remind you of Ezekiel 38 where the earthquake in Israel is going to be felt in the United States? Yeah, that's a big earthquake. And I will shake all nations. Which nations? All nations. And they shall come to the desire of all nations. What is that talking about? Talking about Messiah in the temple in Jerusalem. Well, desire in mind is capitalized, so I would infer that that's talking about Yeshua. It is. It's talking about Messiah sitting in the temple in Jerusalem in the kingdom. That's why they're coming. Well, I said the same thing you did, but you're looking like you're confused. I'm Desire is capitalized because it is talking about Messiah Yeshua. I'm having trouble focusing today. Ah, sorry. But the point is, right now, is Messiah the desire of all nations? No, but will he be in the kingdom? In the kingdom he will be when all nations will come to see him, to worship at his feet, and to learn Torah at his feet, and to praise his holy name. So verse 7, I'll shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Ezekiel 43 tells us that glory is whom? That's the Lord. That's Matthew chapter 7, the Mount of Transfiguration. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi is between Haggai and Matthew. Malachi, chapter 3, verse 12. Malachi, chapter 3, verse 12. And all nations shall call you blessed. For you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Ah, that Lord of hosts tells us this is an end times prophecy that all nations will call you. Who's you? Israel. Do all the nations of the world right now call Israel a delight? Or do they go to the United Nonsense constantly and whine about Israel? But in the kingdom, all nations will recognize that Israel is so blessed because the Lord will be physically present there. As Isaiah 12 says, the Holy One of Israel will be in our midst. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Does the New Testament confirm what this has been teaching? The answer is absolutely. Mark 11 verse 17. Then he, Messiah, Yeshua, taught them, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations? The answer to that is yes. It's in Isaiah 56. We just read it. But you have made it a den of thieves. Ooh, is the temple to be a place of merchandise? Where you cheat people? No. Did that anger the Lord? It did. And this takes place right before Passover. As the children cleaned the leaven out of the Father's house, so Messiah cleaned the leaven out of the temple. Let's go on to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 takes place exactly at the midpoint of the tribulation period. Three and a half years in, three and a half years to go. Revelation chapter 12. Verse 5. Referring to Israel. That's the she in verse 5. She bore a male child. That's Messiah. Who was to rule all nations. He's to rule over whom? All nations with the rod of iron. Has that happened yet? Nope. But it will. One more, Revelation 15, verse 4. Now we're just past the midpoint. Revelation 15, verse 4. We may as well start in 3, because this is from the Song of Moses. 
They sang the Song of Moses, the Servant of God, and the Song of the Lamb. That's our song number one in our songbook, isn't it? And what does the word saying mean? This is a quote. So if you want to learn a song that you will sing in heaven forever, you can learn this one. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the Saints. You see the phrase, your ways, those that are walking in God's ways as opposed to their own, are being referred to here as the saints, who in Revelation 14, 12 are described as those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Yeshua. And verse 4 says, Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? Which means everyone who is left at the end of the tribulation period will fear the Lord and glorify his name. It says, for you alone are holy, and all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. Who's going to come and worship before the Lord? All nations. Which scripture says they're going to come every feast of tabernacles without fail? Zechariah chapter 14. Let's turn back there. Just to the left of Matthew. Just a couple pages. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16. We come to verse 16. The tribulation period is over. Armageddon is done. All those who rejected God have been destroyed. All those who go alive into the kingdom are believers. It says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who's left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year, which means every year without fail, to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. If they keep the Feast of Tabernacles, they'll be keeping all the feasts. They'll be keeping the Torah because they're learning it from the Lord himself. Yeah. Why the emphasis on the Feast of Tabernacles? It is talking about the kingdom. The Feast of Tabernacles forecasts and prophesies the coming of the Messianic kingdom. It's the Feast of All Nations. It always has been called the Feast of All Nations. And there's one more point. In Deuteronomy, when is the whole Torah read? At the Feast of Tabernacles. Where is that in Deuteronomy? Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Starting in verse 10. And Moses commanded them, saying... At the end of every seven years, at the appointed time and the year of release at the Feast of Tabernacles. Throughout the kingdom every year, where will every person in the world be at the Feast of Tabernacles? In Jerusalem. What's the Lord going to do? He's going to read the Torah. What do we see in Isaiah 2? He will teach them the Torah. Verse 11, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, that's Jerusalem. You shall read this law, referring to the book of Deuteronomy, before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates. Is the stranger a Jew? No. But this is one who's renounced pagan idolatry and joined themselves to the Lord, much like Ruth in the book of Ruth. Who told Naomi, where you go, I go. Where you die, I die. Nothing but death will separate me from you. That they may hear, that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law. So at Tabernacles, what are they going to learn? All of the Torah, all of the commandments, all the feasts and festivals. That their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. When we finish Isaiah today, we will then transition to Deuteronomy. And one of the commentaries I read on Deuteronomy this week says, Deuteronomy contains all of the commandments that were to follow. 
It does not say a word about the Sabbath or about Passover or the other feasts and festivals. Let's listen as we study through the book of Deuteronomy and we'll see what? Oh, yes, it does. It teaches them all. You have a question, Bill? Uh, back up where it references the year of release. Is that the same as the year of Jubilee? No. Every seven years, there's a year of release. Okay. The year of Jubilee is like a, uh -huh, like a really big year of release. Isn't that supposed to be coming up? Or is it currently going on? Depends who you listen to. So let us keep going. Let's go back to Isaiah. <coughs> Depends who you listen to. Who do you recommend we listen to? <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> Ask me in October and I will tell you for sure whether this was or wasn't. Okay. All those who are saying that this is the year, this is the year, are, are, what they're really saying is this is the rapture. We've made it. And we'll see. Ask me in October. Isaiah 66, right to verse 19. I will set a sign among them. What is that sign? Is that Messiah? The answer is yes. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, which we're already in, by the way. Back to chapter 11. A banner for the nations. That's right. Isaiah chapter 11. Which begins, there shall come forth the rod from the stem of Jesse. So it's all about Messiah. But in verse 10, after describing in verses 6 through 9 about the wolf lying down with the lamb, letting us know this is a prophecy of the coming messianic kingdom. In verse 10 it says, and in that day, what day? The day of the Lord, there shall be a root of Jesse, that's Messiah Yeshua, who shall stand as a banner for the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. So yes, that is the sign that's referred to in Isaiah 66, 19. So let's go back to 66, 19. I'll set a sign among them, and, and those among them who escape I will send to the nations. To do what? To preach the gospel and to bring back the children of Israel who've been dispersed. The northern kingdom of Israel has been dispersed for 2,700 years. How will they know where to find them? Because God will teach them. Do you think God has lost even a single one? Doesn't know where they went? No, he knows where they all are. To Tarshish. Tarshish is over by England and Spain. And Pool and Lude who draw the bow. And Tubal. And Javan, this is Greece. So we're talking about Europe. To the coastlands afar off who have not heard my fame nor seen my glory. That is, they weren't there personally. And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. They will continue to preach the gospel to all peoples for how long? Forever and ever. Verse 20, then they shall bring all your brethren for an offering to the Lord out of all nations. Here's the rest of the children of Israel coming home. Turn to Matthew 24. Matthew 24 describes this. Matthew 24. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. That's the tribulation period coming to an end. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Then all of the tribes of the earth shall mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That all tribes of the earth will mourn refers back to Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. And they shall look upon me whom they pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And he will send his angels. Does the word angel always mean a heavenly being? No, it means a messenger sent from God. Send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. What's the shofar hagadol? What is that one? What does it sound? It announces Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. That's the day of Armageddon, the day of the Lord's return. And they will gather together his elect, that is, those that have been saved by faith across the world. 
from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. They will bring the children of Israel, who are all believers at that point, back to the land of Israel, where Messiah is King of kings and Lord of lords. So let's go back to Isaiah chapter 66, verse 20. Yes, sir. In Isaiah 66? Is this something that begins with 144,000? Yes, in Revelation chapter 7, and it continues until they've all been regathered. So where did the 144,000 go? To all nations. But did they go into the millennial kingdom? Did they stay alive? They, they stay alive. The false messiah is saying they are not allowed to touch those 144,000. So they will come alive in triumph leading back all those that they brought to the Lord when Messiah returns. It's going to be something wonderful to see. Verse 20, Isaiah 66, 20. Then they shall bring all your brethren for an offering to the Lord out of all nations. So that tells you where has Israel been spread to? All nations. Even to the United States of America. On horses and in chariots and in litters, on mules and on camels just means any old way you can get there. To my holy mountain. What's my holy mountain? The Messianic kingdom. Where is it centered? Jerusalem. Says the Lord. As the children of Israel bring an offering and a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. The as means like. When you bring an offering into the house of the Lord, it must be what? It must be clean, it must be tamim, without spot or blemish, it must be holy. So this is telling us that all the children of Israel that are brought into the kingdom are believers, saved by faith, washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Spirit, observant of God's commandments. This would also suggest with all the seismic shifts that the continents may well be re-put back together, huh? If you look at the eastern coast of North and South America and the western coast of Europe and Asia, doesn't it look like they used to fit together? They're going to fit together once more, I think. It almost seems like it's part of the dispersion. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. I agree with you 100%. And I think the Bible supports it. Genesis. When is what scheduled to happen? The shift of everybody coming back together. The shift of everybody coming back together seven years after the rapture and resurrection. When Messiah returns. When his foot hits earth that great... Earthquake that separates. Yeah, remember in the tribulation period, the earth's going to reel to and fro like a drunkard. There's going to be earthquakes felt from Israel to the United States. Every wall falls down. Every wall falls down. down. So it'll be a flat wall, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> be all right with me. Would be okay with me too. We are in Genesis chapter. Is it ten or eleven? Let's see. Chapter ten, verse twenty-five. Genesis chapter 10, verse 25. To Abair were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. It doesn't say the people were scattered. That's in chapter 11 after the Tower of Babel. It says the earth was divided. Okay, back to Isaiah. Don't you look forward when you get to heaven to seeing the, the videotapes and DVD documentaries and watching these things happen? I'm looking forward to that. I tell you, I am. Verse 21, Isaiah 66, 21. And I will take some of them, some of the children of Israel that are returned. I'll take some of them for priests and Levites, says the Lord. So some of the priests and some of the Levites have been scattered throughout the nations. Is that true? As a general rule, whenever you see a Jewish person by the, with the last name of Cohen, 
That indicates they're from the priestly line. Yeah. The priestly line has maintained this genealogy down through the history. As supposedly most of the Levites. Remember Zola Levitt? Last name Levitt means that he's a Levite. Now not all the Jewish people have kept the name of Cohen or a form of Levi. But many have. Jonathan Kahn. Kahn comes from Cohen. So his ancestry comes from Aaron. But notice it doesn't say all of the priests and Levites are going to get to serve in the Millennial Temple. For that, we have to go to Ezekiel 44 and see who and why. Ezekiel 44, and it shows that God has a long memory. Ezekiel chapter 44. Messiah returns in Ezekiel 43. Takes his seat on the throne in the temple, on the temple mount, in chapter 43. And the millennial kingdom begins. In chapter 44, where we are right now, verses 15 to 24, tell us who will serve as priests and Levites. Verse 15 says, but the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok. Who was Zadok? He was the priest, the high priest who stayed true to David when David's sons revolted. The sons of Zadok who kept charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near me to minister to me and they shall stand before me to offer to me the fat and the blood, says the Lord. So the descendants of the priests who went astray, who left David, who went after his sons, They've lost their inheritance. Only those who descend from Zadok will serve Messiah in the millennial temple. Verse 16, they shall enter my sanctuary and they shall come near my table to minister to me and they shall keep my charge. And it shall be whenever they enter the gates of the inner court that they shall put on linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they minister within the gates of the inner court or within the house. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen trousers on their bodies. They shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes sweat. When they go out to the outer court, to the outer court to the people, they shall take off their garments in which they have ministered, leave them in the holy chambers and put on other garments. And in their holy garments, they shall not sanctify the people. They shall neither shave their heads nor let their hair grow long but they shall keep their hair well trimmed. Which goes right along with 1 Corinthians, doesn't it? No priest shall drink wine when he enters the inner court. Remember the two sons of Aaron who offered strange fire? God said, don't do that again. They shall not take his wife, a widow or a divorced woman, but take virgins of the descendants of the house of Israel or widows of priests. And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy. Cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. In controversy they shall stand as judges and judge it according to my judgments. They shall keep my laws, that's Torah, and my statutes, that's the Chukot. In all my appointed meetings, that's Leviticus 23. And they shall hallow my Sabbaths. Has the law changed? Has the Torah changed? No, it hasn't. Let's go back to Isaiah 66. We're up to verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. Who's the your? That's Israel. Satan has tried to wipe out the Jewish people again and again. Wanting to wipe out all Israel. He tried at the birth of Messiah. Because Satan didn't want Messiah to be born and to come into this world. To fulfill his missions. They tried at the Holocaust. They tried at the. the how do I describe it? The time of Antiochus Epiphanes that gave rise to Hanukkah. 
Satan has tried again and again to wipe out the children of Israel. Will he ever succeed? The answer is no. So will the preachers who teach replacement theology be able to do what Satan has failed to do? The answer is no. This new heavens and the new earth. Is this the only time in scripture that it's referred to? It's in Revelation. Let's start in Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65 verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. If I get going too fast, just say, I know you're excited, but settle down. 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's start in verse 8 for context. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, and both the, the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Does that mean go ahead and continue walking in your sins? It's okay with God? No. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. In which righteousness is prevalent, permeates, which means no more what? No more lawlessness. No more crazy deal. Okay. <laughs> Revelation 21 1. Revelation 21 1. <laughs> now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. So is the Bible consistent from beginning to end that there will be a new heaven and a new earth? Have we got there yet? No. Then we must take another look at Matthew chapter 5. Because Matthew chapter 5 says, until we come to the new heavens and the new earth, not a single letter nor a piece of a letter will pass from the Torah. It's Matthew 5, 17 to 19. Do not think that I came to destroy the law, the Torah, or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Which means to fill full our understanding. For assuredly I say to you, so heaven and earth pass away. And when do they pass away? After the millennial kingdom. One jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the Torah until all is fulfilled. This means until all prophecy has come to pass. Until every last word of Revelation 22 is done. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, referring to the Torah, verse 18, and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Do those three verses tell us we should break the commandments or we should keep them? We should keep them. Should we teach others to keep them? Yes. What if they don't like us because of it? Oh, well. That's right. Back to Isaiah chapter 66, verse 23. 
And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Now, this answers the question that was asked a few minutes ago. Is it just tabernacles or is it all of them? And here we learn that it's all of them. So let's see. It shall come to pass that from one new moon to another. Why does the Bible tell us to recognize the new moons? That's how you tell when a month starts, so you can set the dates for the feasts and the festivals. If you go out and look at the moon tonight and it's full, where are we in a month? Halfway through the month. If it's a quarter full, we're a week into the Hebrew month. Not our English Julian calendar, but in the biblical months. You can tell where we are by seeing where the phase of the moon is. God bless you. When you see the first sliver of the new moon, that's why they call it from one new moon to another. If you don't notice when the new moons are, you may not know how to put the dates for the feasts and festivals. And from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. So we're all going to worship the Lord on Shabbat in the kingdom. What about the ministries that say, don't you dare keep Sabbath. You've got to keep Sunday. We're New Testament Christians. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You keep your Sunday. I'll keep my Sabbath. I'll keep God's Sabbath. You're right. Exodus chapter 20. Let's look back and see what God says about Shabbat. Just a short version. Yes, ma'am. Does it say somewhere? To follow from moon to moon, or do we know that just because of the scriptures talking about To follow from moon to moon, there's a separate sacrifice that's done only on the new moon. No. Um, like, is it written the commandment to go, like, so that's the way we're supposed to do it? Or do we just know that that's the way to do it because that's what it says that they did? Is there anything that you and I need to do on the new moon? No. Just notice that it is the new moon. That's all. But in Israel, there's an extra sacrifice. When we study Deuteronomy, we'll look at it. There is no commandment that says, get ye to church on Sunday morning to observe the new moon. No. How do you know which moon it is? I mean, how do you know where to start? How do you know where to start? Because the first month of the of the the religious calendar is the month of Passover, and you know it's the month of Passover because the harvest gets green. That's when you first get the barley harvest. So that's how you know that's the first one. Okay. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. God not only tells us to remember the Sabbath day, but he tells us why. Oh, and I just saw this morning a special where... An archaeologist type was in Israel looking at a fragment from the Dead Sea Scrolls that was the Ten Commandments. And he was looking at it and asking the experts there, were there 11 or 12? <laughs> were there nine? Did we add something? Nope, they're all still there. And he said, are there any changes between our modern Bibles and in the Ten Commandments from the Dead Sea Scrolls? And the lady said, yes, there is. In your Bible, because he's not using the New King James, it says, keep the Sabbath. But in the scroll, it says, remember the Sabbath. So our New King James is right. The NIV is simply wrong. Keep and remember are two different things. To remember means to include the retelling, why we do it. That's what we do on Friday nights here, if you notice, at our own egg. We talk about when the Sabbath was set aside and why it was set aside. That's remembering the Sabbath. So verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So remember it includes to retell from day to day, from week to week, from generation to generation. Why we celebrate the Sabbath. And to keep it holy means keep it separated, set apart to God. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Remember to change shall to may. 
There is not a commandment to work six days. It says you may. But the seventh day, not a seventh day. And there's a big difference in biblical Hebrew between a seventh day and the seventh day. The seventh day refers back to the seventh day of creation. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle. It's not just people, it's the animals too. Then comes the Gentile. Okay. Nor the stranger who is within your gates. Who is to work on Shabbat? Nobody. And then what's that? Not even an animal. Not even an animal. Verse 11 is four. What does four mean? Because, here's the reason. Here's why it matters. Because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The reason it's called the Sabbath day is you see that word rested in verse 11? It's from the verb he shabbated. He sabbathed. So if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, the word Shabbat is in those first three verses twice. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he Shabbated on the seventh day from all his work which he'd done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he Shabbated from all his work which God had created and made. So when you rest on the seventh day, that is a testimony that you believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and that he rested on the seventh day. In Exodus chapter 31, that's where we read that it is a sign, it is the sign that we worship the true and living God. Exodus chapter 31, verse 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, which means forever, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days. Again, that's may be done for six days. But the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on a Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. What does perpetual mean? Forever. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And the Sabbath, Shabbat, Saturday, is also a prophecy of the coming millennial kingdom. There are 6,000 years from creation until the day of the Lord when the Messianic kingdom comes. And the Messianic kingdom is the seventh day. So let's go to Leviticus 23. Point. Yes, ma'am? Just some insight I believe the Lord's been giving me and, and encouraging me on our journey. When, when you... Uh, went to Genesis 2. When I went to Genesis 2, 1 through 3, God, through shabbated, three. He God shabbated, he rested. My thinking, Your thinking, my perspective has changed. Your perspective has changed. From, okay, we're doing all this, but. From we're doing all now, this. Now, now what am I doing? And now I have more of a, of a sense of. Now you have more of a sense of. I want to hurry and get done, Lord. I know you're calling me. You are. I want to hurry and get done. And you. You rested, you're calling me. You are calling me to come rest with you. To come rest with you. And so that's a totally different 
way of thinking. It surely is a different way of thinking. It is exciting. And that's what Isaiah 58 is about. If you look forward with excitement to Shabbat like that, you know you're on the right path. That's cool. Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23 should immediately bring to mind the Moedim. Which should bring to mind Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. Where God said he put the sun, moon, and stars in the heavens in part so that we would know when the Moedim are. The appointed times. So Leviticus 23, these feasts and festivals, is not an afterthought. God knew before the creation of the world when Messiah would be crucified, buried, resurrected, when the Holy Spirit would come and enter the believers, when the rapture and resurrection would occur, when Messiah would set his feet on the Mount of Olives for the battle of Armageddon, and when the kingdom would be established on earth. All that when he set up the sun, moon, and stars before man was ever created. But in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3, the first thing he says after saying, these are my appointed times, is six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. That's how you know it's a prophecy of the millennial kingdom. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. In Leviticus chapter 26, verses 33 to 35. Remember when this takes place, Israel is in the wilderness. They've not come into the land yet. In Leviticus chapter 26, verses 33 to 35. God bless you. It says, if they go after other gods, etc., stop following the Lord. It says, I will scatter you among the nations and draw a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate, your cities waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbath. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest for the time it did not rest on your Sabbath when you dwelt in it. And then what happens in the Babylonian captivity? Judah goes into captivity for how long? Seventy years. Because how many Sabbath years had they not kept? Seventy Sabbath years. God told us in Leviticus that that's what would happen if we stopped keeping Shabbat. Does God mean what he says? He absolutely does. Let's go to Jeremiah 17. If you want to know just how serious God is about Shabbat, about the Sabbath, go to Jeremiah 17, 19. Jeremiah 17, 19. Thus the Lord said to me, Go and stand in the gate of the children of the people, which the kings of Judah come in, and by which they go out, and all the gates of Jerusalem, and say to them, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah, and all Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, who enter by these gates. Thus says the Lord, Take heed to yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, nor carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, nor do any work, but hallow the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. But they did not obey nor incline their ear, but made their neck stiff that they might not hear nor receive instruction. And it shall be if you heed me carefully, says the Lord, to bring no burden through the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day to do no work in it. Then shall enter the gates of this city kings and princes, sitting on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their princes, accompanied by the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall remain forever. 
and they shall come from the, <coughs> from the cities of Judah and from the places around Jerusalem, <coughs> from the land of Benjamin and from the lowland, from the mountains and from the south, bringing grain off, burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and incense, bringing sacrifices of praise to the house of the Lord. But if you will not heed me to hallow the Sabbath, such as not carrying a burden when entering the gates of Jerusalem on a Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in his gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. If the children of Israel had kept the Sabbath honorably and with whole hearts, there never would have been a captivity of Jerusalem and Judah. The city would never have been destroyed. The temple would never have been destroyed. Look what we've lost. So look at Ezekiel chapter 20. God has prophet after prophet cry. Ezekiel chapter 20. Starting in verse 10. Ezekiel chapter 20, starting in verse 10. Therefore, I made them go out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. And I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. Well, that sounds what Messiah said last night in our readings. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they greatly defiled my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. But I acted for my name's sake, that it should not be profane among the Gentiles, in whose sight I had brought them out. So I also raised my hand in an oath to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands, because they despised my judgments and did not walk in my statutes, but profaned my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Does the New Testament tell us we're supposed to learn from the Old Testament? Do we learn from the Old Testament that God wants us to set aside Shabbat and worship on Sunday instead? No, it does not. When Israel did that, because they worshiped the sun god on Sundays when they did that, how did God take it? He did not like it. We already looked at Ezekiel chapter 44. And how it says in the kingdom we're all going to keep Shabbat. So I want to add just one more verse. And that's in the book of Hebrews. Can anybody guess where? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9. Hebrews chapters 1 through 4 are all about the importance of demonstrating one's faith in God through obedience. In Hebrews 4.9, which you all know is written long after the death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah. It says, there remains therefore a rest, that word is sabbatismos, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So for those who said, we will never keep the Sabbath, be careful what you ask for. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. Very last verse, verse 24. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. What does that mean, who've transgressed against me? It means who have rebelled, who have sinned, right? Who have walked in lawlessness. Why? What about them? 
For their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. That should be an abhorrence to all flesh. These are words of prophecy about times yet in the future. And what does God say will happen to those who rebel against him, transgress against him, choose to walk in lawlessness rather than according to God's ways? They'll burn forever. Who in their right mind would think that playing in a lake of fire forever would be a joy? It'd have to be somebody who's never been burned, right? Somebody who's in great delusion. Let's look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Now there are denominations out there who teach that God is too loving. He would never allow that to happen. People would just be burned up in an instant and gone. That is to say, ignore the Bible and what God said and just assume that your, your picture of roses and daisies will come to pass. That's just dangerous. Mark 9, verse 42. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Does that remind you of Matthew chapter 5? Whoever teaches people to break the least of these commandments shall be least in the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. Well, here it's described as would be better if a millstone were hung around his neck and he'd be thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Where's that quoted from? Isaiah 66. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire which shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Again, Isaiah 66. Verse 47, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. For it's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So three times Messiah quotes from this verse in Isaiah 66. Yes, Sam? Yeah, I see there's three questions out there. Let's see. It says, Wayne, most of the world believes the earth is billions of years old. Yes, that's right. Most do. They're wrong. I have a hard time explaining this. Only 6,000 years old when talking to non-believers. The term carbon dating always comes up. Do you have any insight on that? Just this. When God created Adam, did he create him as a single cell and watch him grow into a fetus and into adulthood? No, he created him as an adult man. So God created the heavens, the earth, and the universe in whatever state or age he wanted it to be. Carbon dating is fairly accurate to a point. If you actually study carbon dating, you'll find there's an underlying assumption that's readily stated. It assumes that there was no flood because the great pressures of the flood would throw off any carbon dating from that point backward into history. And you and I know that there was a great flood and therefore carbon dating will be okay back until, what, 1400 BCE? Beyond that, it's of no value. So if you actually go to the textbooks and look at carbon dating, there has to be an assumption that the flood didn't happen because the pressures and the heat generated by such weight of the water would throw it all off. And the next one says, Wayne, folks cannot reach you on go to meeting. I don't know what that means since before I was talking to people and they were talking back, but okay. How do we know when Sabbath starts and ends? Well, days go from evening and morning from Genesis chapter 1. When do you start counting the hours of the night watch? At 6 p.m. And when do you start counting the hours of the day watch? At 6 a.m.
So the night through the day goes from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. So that's how I count the Sabbath, from Friday night at 6 to Saturday night at 6. There are those who say you've got to see three stars up in the heavens. That's not in scripture. That's rabbinic tradition. Michael says you can't hear us. Okay. Carbon becomes problematic beyond 500 B.C. Yep, because of the flood. Okay. Looks like all those are taken care of. So let us go back to Revelation 20. Revelation 20. Just as God created Adam as an adult, mature man, he can create the earth with dinosaur bones in it and oil and diamonds and all kinds of things. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. How do we know for sure that evolution is not true? What's that? One more time. Death came, into the world with sin. death came into the world with sin. Evolution says death was in the world for billions of years before there was ever a person. And therefore man's sin did not create death. And therefore Messiah's death, burial, and resurrection can't take it away. So it's a real problem. Revelation 20 verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone. Brimstone is sulfur. Not only does sulfur cause the fire to burn hotter, but have you ever smelled burning sulfur, how it stinks? Imagine being in that kind of stink forever. Even if you weren't burning. I don't know which you'll hate worse. Just don't be there. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Forever and ever is longer than forever. It never ends. Not ever. In Revelation 20, verses 14 to 15, Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We have finished Isaiah. What do we say when we finish a book? Chazak. Chazak Vanish Chazek, which means be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. For how are we strengthened as believers? By studying the Word of God. I'm now going to turn off the tape and we'll restart it back at the book of Deuteronomy.